Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. And today we have again with us, Kirsty Miles. Kirsty, welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. Kirsty and I work together, of course, at PDT, and we manage PDT. We do therapy. She's a physical therapist. I'm a speech therapist. That's how we started this gig off. Kirsty leads a team, half the people at PDT over in our Southern Pines Clinic area and the contract sites there. And then I lead the other half of the people over here. And so we work a lot together. We work very closely together. But today we are going to talk about simple modifications in the learning environment. Smile. Very clever, huh? We are excited about this because basically it kind of goes back to the whole title of this podcast, The Working Therapist. I mean, we are really legitimately out there working, doing speech therapy, physical therapy, working with OTs, PTs, speech therapists every day, all day. Yeah, I think it's really different when you have somebody that comes from that academic world and that mindset that's teaching in the classroom, but they're not out in the field and living it every day. We live it every day. So we kind of know the things you're going to run into, what you're going to see out there in the field. And we know how to deal with different circumstances. And we also know how to work in real time, like in the moment. So basically, one of the things we talk about a lot here at PDT is meet the child where they are. Assess what's happening right now here today with this child. Meet them where they are and then work accordingly. And so sometimes if that's your mindset and that's how you're working, which is what we're doing every day everywhere, you have to sort of make simple modifications right there in real time. And you don't have a lot of fancy stuff potentially to work with. You know, there may not be time to go run, get a specialty item, but you have to sort of make do with what you've got. So that's what this podcast is about is making do with simple things in the environment, really inexpensive, simple, but yet innovative things that really actually help with whatever. Yeah, because if you're talking about a school and you hear all the time that teachers are having to buy supplies for their classrooms and things like that, I mean, they're on a budget too. We need everyday items that we can adapt and do with. And especially when you open a therapy catalog. Yeah, sure. That stuff's all great to have, but it's not realistic. Mm -mm. Usually there's not the budgets for that anyway. So we have to work with what we have and we don't have a lot of time. And if you can leave somebody with a solution, that's kind of our gig. I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. we do. We leave people with solutions and then we go on to the next. Next. So why don't we start with a couple of just things that Kirsten and I use currently, we have used, we've seen other people use, we've adopted them, we've modified them, things that we've come up in the real moment in real time and necessity is the mother of invention. So we've invented some of the stuff along the way just to sort of do and make do because these little people need our help. So why don't we start with the lap pad? Now lap pads, you can buy fancy schmancy lap pads that have these specialty weighted things in them. You can also make a lap pad out of big long crew socks and fill it with rice, which tend to be my favorite, honestly. And I know there's fancy ones out there now where they make them in like lap pads with little puppies or dragons or snakes or caterpillars or things like that. But really a white old school like 1970s basketball sock that go up to like the knees, I think is awesome. A lot of times you're using that in the classroom. So whether it's with speech or OT, let the kid color on it. They've got to be working on something fine motor and handwriting or, you know, something related to education anyway. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, you get a cast on your leg. Let everybody color on it. Have fun with it. It's just part of their day. So recently I was telling a therapist how to make one of these. And the reason we were doing that is because I was in a classroom and we were working with a little fella during lunchtime. And so he was having a lot of trouble staying in his chair during lunch and finishing the meal. And he wanted to keep getting around and run around. He was just having a hard time putting his little self in the chair. He just couldn't stay still to do that. And the teacher 
teachers were really struggling with kind of keeping him there. So we weren't trying to do a lap pad to weight, weight him down. But instead, we just wanted to give him some deep puts, some pressures. Because during the meal, you know, we started doing some like joint compression and just kind of giving him some input. And that really helped him to calm down, to be able to pay attention to the fact that he still had food left on his plate. And the fact that he could also pay attention to his little body, that he was still hungry. Also to help him to finish chewing whatever was in his mouth because he wanted to put it in his mouth and swallow it whole. And so none of that's safe or good. And so then we just made a little snake out of like rice and the tube sock thing. And we just put it in his lap during the meal. And sometimes he picks it up and holds it. And that's fine. If he does, he puts it back in his lap. He actually really leaves it still. But it just kind of helped his little body settle down and helped him sort of calm himself down so he could just pay attention to finish the meal and also be safer. So that's why we used it. And it worked out great. And it was cheap and easy. And like we can make it like right then, leave it with the teacher that day. So when the teacher was thrilled, a whole staff member was having to stay there with the child during the whole meal, which meant they weren't able to help other kids in other areas. So it was causing them to be short-staffed and also cause other kids to be a little bit unmonitored and that kind of thing. So she was thrilled. She was so excited and she didn't know that that was even an option to do the whole like rice and the tube sock thing, which again, we're just kind of those types of people. We have things of that laying around. But you know, if you do have like a bag of rice that comes in handy for lots of things, and I think I got these socks like at the dollar store. Or somewhere simple like that. You know, there's nothing fancy about these socks. So it's right. just part of my, it's just part of my like therapy toolkit, honestly, or like generally things that you keep in your therapy office or clinic or area where you're working, tens of the things that might be laying around somewhere. Well, and when you go into some classrooms, so once you're in like the kindergarten and up, some of the times the seats are like that slippery bottom on the seat where depending on what type of clothes they have on, if they have on a pair of sweatpants or, you know, something that's going to slide real easy, the fabric that they're wearing, their little bottom is all over that seat. So sometimes just a little bit of added weight and input keeps their hips where they need to be in the chair because as soon as their feet kind of go under the seat or go under the chair, then their lower body's all out of whack. Then they're leaning over the table and leaning over their work and they're not in good posture to do any sort of tabletop activities like handwriting or that sort of thing. So just another use for that weighted lap pad. And also just carrying it from one area to the other. So if a child has difficulty transitioning from one place to another, or again, you want to do some heavy work or they need a lot of things to help calm him down and maybe transitioning between one center to another and carrying something heavy from one center to another will help, then that also comes in handy because they are kind of heavy. Or they can put it on the shoulder or whatever and again, Again, like you say, let the kids write on it. You can just throw it away. It's just not that much cost to it. So that's a good, simple yeah. modification. And then if you also talk about the child whose little bottom is falling out of the seat and slip sliding all over, you were telling me earlier about a good solution that you did with a therapist. Why don't you share that? So this child in particular, number one, she needs a lot of cueing for keeping her feet down flat on the floor because she'll kick them out in front of her or she'll put them under the chair. And as soon as she does that, her little bottom sliding all over the seat. So a simple fix might be just some Dyson, like that shelf liner that you can get relatively inexpensively, cut a square piece, put it on the chair. That way it's easy to move with her. She can take that if she changes seats because in school they're changing seats throughout the day. They're going to different centers. So that's a really easy solution for that just to give her a little bit more more stability in the seat because as PTs, we learn kind of when we're doing like wheelchair or equipment or just seating systems in general, if the hips are out of alignment, like one of the things that we learned way back in school is, okay, slouch all the way down in your chair. So if you were to like slouch all the way down in your chair and your back is all rounded, now try and lift your arms up high over your head. 
it's really hard to do. Whereas if you sit up nice and straight and your hips are in good alignment and then you try and reach up overhead, your arms and upper body become so much more functional. So if you can put the hips and the pelvis in really good alignment, you have more upper body function. So the same thing applies in the classroom. If we want to work on handwriting and desk work and tabletop activities, well, she's going to be, or he is going to be that much more functional if we can get their lower body in good alignment in the seat. And if somebody's constantly slip sliding in the chair, they're not going to be. So potentially that just little bit of feedback where they're not sliding around may keep their feet more stable, keep their hips in better alignment, and ultimately have them not leaning on the table and laying all around. Yep. And then also having them up looking around at the world so that they're paying attention to what's happening socially, like for the speech person. And because I think sometimes as speech therapists, we don't look at what the rest of the body is doing and how they're positioned in the chair. So we always need to make sure they're sitting upright and that their head is in alignment with the rest of their body so they're not sticking their head way forward. Again, like you're saying, slumping their shoulders and their head is way forward because it's harder to talk that way. So, um, but if your head is up over your shoulders and over your body, then you can also use your diaphragm for that air support because otherwise you're doing all this breathing and you're not using your diaphragm to have air support for longer sentences, full sentences, communication, paragraphs of information to help you talk. And if you're already having trouble articulating the lips, jaw, tongue, and cheeks, if they aren't working together and you're already having trouble with coordination and movement, then your posture really matters. So as a speech therapist, you want to set them up right. And if Dyson will help keep their little bottom end still and in the chair back where it's supposed to be, like Kirsten was saying, their hips are back in the chair, then they're more likely to have their head in the right position and be able to communicate clearer and louder and have their little body up looking around. They know what their friends are doing. They're paying better attention, all that stuff. So Dyson is not just for tabletop and keeping your plate still. That's the takeaway from that. Mm -hmm. So we do have another way to do that too. This might be more for, you know, a child. Sometimes it can be used as a fidget. It can be used to kind of keep the feet and give the feet like a reminder of where to be. You know, if they're sitting all day long, that can be hard for little ones and recess is getting shorter and shorter. So another way to kind of combat that Mm -hmm. is taking the TheraBand and tying it around the bottom of the chair. They can kick into it. So if their body is just fidgety and needs to move, it gives them a little bit of Mm -hmm. feedback, a little bit of resistance. It lets you know where your body is in space, but it can also serve to kind of keep the feet down and on the floor. So again, if they keep slip sliding all over in the chair, something like that might help. Now, that's not as easy to move around the classroom though. Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends. You got to understand and you've got to really embed yourself in the classroom and know like how that classroom works and functions. Because if you're just making suggestions arbitrarily because, oh, that worked in that classroom. Well, it might not work in this one because he moves chairs five times. Exactly. I don't know that that suggestion is not good for most kids, like as an adult, try it. If you haven't, put some TheraBand around the two front things of your chair and then put your feet on it. I like love that. As an adult who has trouble paying attention in general, it is very practical and it really works. And I love this suggestion. It's really not expensive. So you could put around like all bunch of chairs. You really well, could. you can do it a couple of different ways. So what you're talking about is like actually putting your feet on top of it and bouncing. Oh, that is what I'm talking about. What or were you talking about? You can tie it around the bottom of the chair. So it goes around the front and the back of the front legs only so that you actually put your feet down in the TheraBand. So your feet are sandwiched in between the two pieces oh. of TheraBand, Mm-mm. which you yeah. can then pull and kick against it. So now you mm. can kick against it or you can pull your legs back. You mm. get some feedback, but then you return your feet so your feet are flat on the floor. So that's going to be better for your child that's got like the little wiggly butt that kind of moves around in the seat. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. Whereas somebody who really needs to move and fidget, strapping it there so, you know, you just tie one piece between the two and they bounce their feet on it. Yes. 
So you have two different ways to do TheraBand. There's probably more, but I think sometimes people are like, oh, there's this one way to do it. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, working yes. with different children, you just find that this one needs something different. Exactly. And I think your comment you said about observing in the classroom and looking around, that's really the key and that's what you need to do. But yeah, no, I was talking about the one where you put your feet on top of it and bounce your feet. Mm-hmm. I wasn't talking about the other, but the other is good too. So see, I learned that today because I hadn't thought about that for TheraBand use. <laughs> so that's good. I like it. So TheraBand's easy. Most therapists have access to that. The Dyson you probably do. And then the weighted lap pad modification with the sock and the rice. But another thing that I love, and I suggest this to a lot of people, are ice cube trays to help kids. There's a couple of different uses for ice cube trays. So I'll talk about one and Kirstie, I know you have another, but old school ice cube trays, you don't really see those as much anymore because most refrigerators have the automatic ice dispensers now, but I love an ice cube tray. And what I like is it helps kids with pacing themselves while they're eating. So if child who's really packing their mouth or stuff in their mouth and they just have generally low awareness of what's happening with chewing and what's happening in their mouth, putting too much food in their mouth, a lot of kids will put too much food in their mouth and they'll just like squirrel it away in their cheeks or they'll put too much food in their mouth and they'll sometimes swallow it whole or they'll put too much food in their mouth and they'll spit it out because then they realize I can't do this and it's not safe and I'm not going to choke. So if you take the food and break it into small pieces, whatever it is, you put each piece in the ice cube tray and then they pick up one and they put in their mouth and chew that and swallow it so they know they don't get another piece if they're able to self-monitor that way. They don't get another bite of food until their mouth is clear. If they're not able to self-monitor, then as the therapist or teacher, you can kind of cover the other ones and make sure they clear their mouth before they get another piece. And so I recommend this a lot of times to help kids pace themselves with eating. You've seen it used a different way, or maybe you have used it a different way. I do. But as you're talking too, I think you're giving therapists an idea too of what to look for Mm. and really how to document and justify certain things. So like for people that are listening, really pay attention to the language that's around that because all that supports why skilled intervention is needed. Well, there you go. Bonus. Because I'm like, all those words like pacing and Mm self-monitoring and you're trying to get somebody more independent. You're trying to step them in that direction. There's ways to do it. The end of the game is for them to be able to pay attention to what's in their mouth. Have I chewed it? Have I cleared my mouth? Is it gone now? I can put another piece in safely. I'm able to know what to do in my mouth. I'm able to chew it up create a bolus, swallow it. That's the end game. But a lot of little people need some monitoring to help with that because it can also be very overwhelming for a child, like a whole big entire plate of food. That's a lot of like info and a lot of stuff you got to do something with. And when you're just thinking, okay, there, I'm hungry, get it in. There's a lot that has to happen in between. So slowing them down and pacing them is key. And I love an ice cube tray. And from a fine motor standpoint, which I know I'm a PT, but again, we just can't separate. No. All the parts of a child out. So using an ice cube tray for fine motor, you can use it for arts and crafts. You put the pom-poms, the beads, really to isolate a pincer grasp, to limit and prevent the raking. So when they're picking up a lot at one time and kind of doing just that whole hand rake. It works on more isolation, and that's kind of a precursor to some pre-writing. You know, if they're not using the pencil, how are they going to hold the pencil? And so it kind of all just leads up to that for school age. You know, and right before (laughs) we came into this discussion, we were talking about sometimes, you know, backing up before you can move forward. So kind of using some of these things you're not always stepping backwards, but you're really kind of honing in on those foundational skills that are required for the next skill that may sometimes get missed. 
Yes, I agree. I know I see that happen. The thing that you're talking about, backing up before you can move forward, I see that happening all the time with speech, especially with RTIC, where therapists have got to make sure the child really has the correct placement for the tongue before and the motor movement for the tongue and putting the tongue in the right place and the jaw support and stuff before they can really move to producing an isolated sound and syllables or words or phrases or sentences. And so a lot of times, especially with R, we will miss it. And we won't get the tongue in the right spot so that they can produce an R in isolation. You want them to sound like a pirate, not a zombie. Er versus uh. You know, uh's a zombie, er's the pirate. So you got to get the tongue in the right place so you can do that. But you have to be able to do er before you can do, you know, road, rabbit, run, all that stuff. So you have to do that first. And so a lot of times you got to back it up before you can move forward. And I've seen a lot of kids where I'll go in and they're like, oh, and they're on the phrase level with an R. And they're absolutely not. They're at the isolation level with an R because their tongue's on the right place. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you got to back it up. So it's kind of like, you know, giving back to fundamentals. So let's get back to fundamentals. And that's exactly the same thing. Same concept. Sometimes we have children, too, that for whatever reason, they have difficulty with ambulation or speed of ambulation. So sometimes when we're talking about in the school environment, can a child keep up with his peers in his classroom when they're transitioning between classes? Can they carry their things from class to class? Sometimes those factors get brought in with physical therapy in mind. And so some schools, they're against the backpacks on rolling wheels, but I think there are some children that that might be appropriate for. And, you know, kind of deferring back to you a little bit, Hayden, children that have assistive technology and AAC devices, those things are stinking heavy. Very heavy. Try carrying one of those bad boys around. We got one in this week, Kirsten, you were carrying around. That thing was really heavy. And it's not good well, if it falls on somebody's foot or it falls off because it's going to crack and break. But besides that, it's And they're hurt. expensive. Yeah. And you put that on somebody who's like a five-year-old. <laughs> well, just, um, yeah. It weighs as much as they do practically. So I just okay. don't think that's realistic. Or maybe it's a child that doesn't even get PT. But again, we treat the whole child. So as a speech therapist, you have to think about, okay, they have to now take this device all the way over to across the campus and they're walking there. Well, is carrying it on their back really going to be beneficial for them? Are they going to be able to do that all day long, every day and still have the energy at the end of the week? Kirsten and I were in a school last year. In this particular school, all the kids have laptops. And so this poor little thing, what she weighed about maybe 50 pounds soaking wet, like with maybe winter boots on and a coat and hat. So 50s like being very generous anyway and so she has this monster laptop on her back and this laptop bag and she's carrying it over her shoulder and this poor little thing is bent in half carrying this monster laptop this really not that big of a laptop honestly but on her little 50 pound frame it was humongous and bent over walking them down the halls and you were like oh my good gosh she's gonna be like it was Get 10 a.m or something yeah yeah so, <laughs> well, so what do we do In that particular instance, you are going to run into, from a PT perspective, did I really think she needed a walker? Yes. Did she want one? No. Did mom want one? No. I'm not going to force that on there. And she was not afraid to tell you she she didn't. So (laughs) if in that instance, we could get her a backpack that she could pull with her on wheels or Mm -hmm. something, another means to transport that device because it was way too heavy for her. She said she didn't want a walker, but also with the rolling backpack thing, this girl was very, I mean, she definitely has an opinion. She knows what she wants and what she doesn't want. There's no confusing that. But I think she probably would have felt better at the end of the day. I can't imagine this Mm -hmm. poor little thing by Friday is probably exhausted. Got to be. Yeah. Got to be. Yeah. yeah. Most schools I've dealt with will allow a child to have a rolling backpack for a good reason. I've never had them fight with me too much on that. I'm not usually no. one recommending a rolling backpack unless it's an all-com situation, but that doesn't happen too often for me. But I can't imagine them really fighting with a PT on like what you just said. 
you're just going to run into a problem if 400 kids at the school all have them and you can't get down the hallway. I mean, that there's a rhyme or reason for why things are uh-huh. deterred from being used. But in this particular instance, for that particular child, it really might be needed. Absolutely. Yep. So two things that I have used quite a bit in the classroom environment. One has been a lunch tray, which I love a lunch tray, and I'll tell you why in a second. And another, and this is not a school environment, but we said for SMILE, it's simple modifications in a learning environment. So a learning environment could also be a house is a tablecloth. So let me tell you first how I love a tray. And Kirsty, you may have some different ideas for this, but I love like a lunch tray because a lot of kids I see have trouble with, this is where my body is and this is my body's area in space and this is where my area of space ends and your area of space starts and also like keeping all my stuff together. These little people, God bless their little hearts, they're just kind of getting their stuff spread out from here to yonder. Like, I personally have a spread out problem, meaning that like when I'm finding the older I get, the more junk I carry around with me for some reason, or I'm just getting less efficient, or I forget I have it with me, honestly, who knows. But it just tends to spread out like all over the place. <laughs> so I'm not using a lunch tray yet, but I'm maybe one step away. But these little people, their stuff just gets spread out everywhere, all over here to yonder. And so the lunch tray helps sort of define, okay, this is what I'm working on. And it helps sort of promote that whole start, do, finish. That if you've listened to other podcasts, you've heard me talk about start do finish a lot but it helps them understand okay here's my activity starting here's what I'm doing and here's what I'm finished with it you know so you can kind of arrange things for them and that lunch tray helps to sort of define their little area of space and what they're doing so it helps them keep it on task finish a task and also understand what more they have to do because sometimes again like I talked about earlier with that tray of food sometimes looking at like an entire art project can seem a lot for a little person or like a whole math sheet can seem like a lot and you can divide the task up be like okay so get this part done first get this part done second get this part done third that's an extreme situation for like older kids but this is really more practical for younger kids is a lunch tray define their space Yeah. And in the past with the lunch trays, you know, from a PT perspective, we look at the mobility of a child and can they get from point A to point B? Well, if part of their need during the day is that they need to walk through the lunch line and get their lunch, can they carry that tray? Are they going to spill that all over the floor or can they get it back to the table so that they can eat? One of the things that we've done in that instance is, you know, those old soda, like Coca-Cola, when they deliver, they give you the, it's got like a two or three inch lip around the edge. So, um, and it's got handles. Mm -hmm. So we'll put the tray in there and then let them carry that Coca-Cola tray Mm. so that they have more to hold on to. So if you've got somebody with some gait instability or just some abnormal gait and you worry about them walking and carrying that tray, And having that divided attention in a noisy cafeteria, those are some other modifications that we've done too. And also making recommendations for like, okay, can your classroom get down to the cafeteria first when it's less noisy so the noise is coming into the cafeteria instead of being amongst all that noise and trying to get your lunch around all these people. And But that's just something to add to the tray. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. The tablecloth thing idea I had is a lot of times we're going in and out of homes or daycares. And so I usually will bring, if I'm doing a lot of home visits, I'll bring a tablecloth, like a plastic tablecloth from Walmart, you know, one of those picnic things. But I like the kinds that have the white stuff on the other side. I don't know what that white stuff is, but I don't want one to be completely plastic because then it's too easy to slip slide on everything. But it's got the white stuff kind of like felt. And then on the other side, it's plastic. And so I'll put that down in a house or in a daycare. And for a couple of reasons, one, it helps to define the space where the child is working so that they're 
not kind of running all over the house, they kind of stay with me or we can bring it back to where I need them to be for one little area if we're working. And it helps me with start, do, finish, understand, begin a therapy, end a therapy. And then also during therapy, this is where we are with our activities. It also helps if for some reason you're going to a house and, you know, you're not sure what you might be sitting on. And then it helps sometimes with cleanliness and helping you with that. And then I don't tell the parents I'm putting this down because the floor is dirty, of course, because that would be rude and not very nice. I say instead, hey, I wanted to find the space where we're working, which is the truth. I do want to define the space where we're working so the child kind of knows, hey, this is what we're doing here today. We're playing in this area. And then I'll do the same exact thing in a daycare, not sometimes too much for cleanliness in the daycare, but more just to define the space. So I do use a tablecloth a lot. And you could also apply that to a classroom. A carpet square is usually easier and better in a classroom because you usually don't have as much time or you don't have as much space for like a big old tablecloth. But a carpet square, I've done similar concept in a classroom. Like, here's my area. Here's my space. You know, if you would have told me that when I first started, that would have helped me out a lot in one of my home visits. (laughs) I'm just going to say, so I was working. Full secret. (laughs) I'm working in this house. And actually, a speech therapist that's with us, she she got there after I did. And so she walks in and my pants are all wet. And she just looks at me and she's like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. It could have been the dog or it could have been the child that's running around without a diaper on. It's one of the two, but it's pee. So after I was here, I'm going to the Walmart down the road. I need a pair of scrub pants. She probably had a tablecloth in her bag. <laughs> she, she probably, she probably had a tablecloth. <laughs> no, she's probably, well, if you brought your tablecloth, you'd have been fine, but oh well. <laughs> she probably did. I've done enough home business with Hayden. I got to get out my red and white checkered tablecloth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that'll save you. Yeah, well, I, I wish it would have saved me that day because oh. I had pee all on my pants for that whole hour session. <laughs> well, you know, you haven't really, <laughs> you haven't really done home visits until you're wearing something you don't know what it is or where it's from. <laughs> like you're wearing some some substance. It builds character, right? So in wrapping up, what have we learned? Carry a tablecloth with you wherever you go. <laughs> no, and don't be afraid to carry several. Don't be afraid to throw one away because sometimes there are things that you just can't come back from. You know, like there's, you know, you're just not, you can get as many Lysol wipes as you want and you're just not going to be able to come back from that. So chuck it. You need to carry more than just one tablecloth around with you. You got to do like Kenny Rogers. You got no one to hold them and no one to fold them. And sometimes you just got to fold them at the closest BP station you get to and let it go. <laughs> you know? And so you're like, you know what? See ya. Bye. And so um, same thing for scrub pants. Sometimes you just do not need to wash them. You just throw them away and you start n- yep. new day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and don't ask any questions. So, all right, what have we learned? That, and we've also learned hopefully some other modifications for the learning environment, right? Simple, cost-effective, and can be done in the moment. Don't yeah. need a lot of materials. Right. There are a thousand of these smile ideas out there. These are just some of them. There are more podcasts, tons more podcasts we can do with this, but we're going to wrap it up here today. Thank you, Kirsty, for your ideas and your input. It's always good. Thank you for having me. And check out other podcasts on theworkingtherapist.com. Also at pediatricdt.com, there's a link to the podcast and there's some videos on there for ideas for toys and ideas for therapy. So check those out. And you can also see the same stuff on our Facebook page. So check us out there as well. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. We'd love to see your simple modification ideas. Share your smile modification on social media with the hashtag PDTSmile. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. 
That's pediatricdt.com. 